This Wellness Couch Podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Breakthrough. Three days and two nights with nine of your favourites from The Wellness Couch, all gathering together in Melbourne for one incredible event. We can't wait to see you there. Go to www.thewellnesscouch.com for details. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. Skip the diet, just eat healthy. We like the sound of that. And today we're chatting to paleo enthusiast Irina Macri, who is renowned for her popular paleo blog, I'm sure you all know it, Eat, Drink, Paleo. Irina embraced the paleo lifestyle a few years ago when she watched her mum, a seemingly healthy and active woman, go through two cancers. Irina became more aware of her own health, attempted various trends and discovered paleo in around late 2011. Through her own research, Irina realized paleo is not a diet in the way we think of diet, but a lifestyle philosophy. Besides switching to a paleo way of eating, Irina also left her stressful job, became more active and decided to improve her sleep. As a result, she feels much happier and healthier and has lots of energy throughout the day. Currently based in London, Irina brings a youthful, fresh and accessible 80-20 approach on her quest for great health and great tasting food and will be bringing out her first cookbook, originally self-published, on the 28th of January. With a second paleo cookbook due later in 2015, uh, we're so excited to see what's in store. So we've got heaps to talk about. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Irina Macri. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you along. Thank you for making time for us. Um, Irina, you inspire so many people on a daily basis. I knew when I was new to paleo, um, Eat, Drink, Paleo was one of the first sort of resources that uh, I went to on recommendation. And uh, your blog and social media certainly are amazing. Can you tell us about your story so far? Um, great. It was nice to hear. Thank you that <laughs> that you've been following me for a long time. Um, my story is probably similar to other people's stories. Um, you know, I was looking for, uh, as you mentioned, my mom uh, had cancer or two cancers, but kind of back to back, which was a bit of a shock. And um, at the time, I, you know, I turned thirty, and I was going through a bit of a shift in my outlook on uh, food and what it meant to eat healthy. Uh, you know, in the past, I guess a lot of us are more concerned with weight loss or looking good in a bikini. It's kind of sort of vain reasons. And then when you turn 30 and you see your loved ones go through a sickness or, you know, you start to notice your own energy levels drop and, you know, you don't recover from um, uh, things as easily, uh, you kind of get more interested in food for well-being and longevity. And um, I started looking at ways of changing my own diet and making it more preventative uh, and discovered paleo through uh, a couple of friends who found it online or through a book. I, I can't rem remember now. And uh, at the time, I'm sure like everybody, it sounded completely crazy to me. And I thought, you know, I kind of got intrigued by it. You know, I felt that it was completely different to everything that I've known and I've been told about health and nutrition 
And as I started researching and finding out more about the paleo philosophy and, uh, you know, what it actually means to live a paleo lifestyle, uh, I got completely converted and uh, just like many others do because, uh, you know, it focuses on unprocessed foods, natural ingredients, holistic lifestyle. Um, and uh, when I switched to that gradually, I started noticing the difference in my own health and well-being and not that I was unhealthy as such, but my levels of energy have increased and become very stable through the day. I made changes to my lifestyle as far as my job and and uh, exercise as well and um, reduced stress down like drastically. <laughs> I, I realized I was quite a mess and, and almost an angry person, I think, at times. And I found, find now that my mood is completely different. Uh, I'm nicer. To myself as well, I'm kinder, and uh, you know. And I found diet, the diet, the paleo diet, actually quite easy to follow after a while. And so I started my blog um, as a way of a recording my own journey, and also because at the time, uh, and it has changed since, there weren't that many uh, paleo-related blogs and uh, and literature in Australia. You know, we we kept getting things from America and. Uh, as, as good as those resources might be, they're not local and, you know, we have different seasons, different foods, different outlook on cooking. And so I started cooking my recipes and publishing them online and uh, one thing led to another and my blog just took off. Uh, I was quite uh, surprised, to be honest. I thought, you know, I never had uh, a cookbook in mind or I never thought that I would have, you know, 80,000 followers on Facebook. And... Um, yeah, and I've kind of embraced that lifestyle and now I feel like I've changed from, uh, you know, just that just being my own journey to becoming more of an evangelist for the lifestyle and uh, and I get to pursue my passion in cooking, which I absolutely love, and I also get to send out a message of healthy eating and, and I guess that makes me pretty happy. One of the things that uh, I like, I've done a little bit of research here, Ari, on, uh, in your About section on your website, and you mentioned that uh, you are a bit of a self-proclaimed web geek and that you also uh, enjoy hiking through the bush and, and getting out in nature. And I was wondering, um, with, with the travel that you do, how do you manage to squeeze in some, some grounding, some earthing, some connecting with nature? Um, I try not to do any um, laptop-related activities or phone activities on weekends. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard, I think, you know, when you become self-employed or, you know, when you start doing your hobby as your job, it's very easy just to do it 24-7 and, um, you know, and stay connected continuously. But um, but I do try to disconnect on weekends and uh, both my partner and I are really into, uh, you know, rock climbing and sort of outdoor activities. So... Um, that's something we do for fun. So we try to get outdoors as much as possible. Uh, and uh, I do, you know, when I lived in Australia, I lived by the ocean. And the thing that I loved the most was to go on the beach and do water sports and and uh, feel the sun on my skin and feel the water on my skin. And um, that was a really good way of sort of connecting back with nature. Whereas now I live in London, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but we do try and get outdoors. I think... Um, you know, I try to prioritize it as much as possible. Uh, I think people kind of forget, and that's almost like an afterthought. Yeah. But I try to be a little bit more proactive with scheduling it into our lives. And so whether that means, you know, getting out every day and going for a ride on my bicycle, 
just to get some vitamin D or it means, you know, no laptop after, say, 7 p.m. or something like that. Um, you know, it might be different for different people. But um, but it's, it's very important to disconnect and, uh, and go back to kind of uh, very natural activities, more primal activities, because it puts things in perspective. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I spend an extensive period of time outdoors, you know, when I go camping or uh, I went to Turkey recently and I spent a couple of weeks um, in the mountains with very little connection to the internet and whatnot, it just puts everything in perspective. You know, all those little problems and things that were nagging you, they kind of completely disappear and become relevant. So I think it's important to do it for that reason. Yep. Nice. I love that. That's absolutely so true. And, you know, you spoke about fitting paleo into your life and, and we've got you coming to Adelaide in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. And, and you're going to talk to us about doing paleo on a budget. And so I thought that'd be a great thing to touch on here for our listeners because there are a lot of people out there who are maybe new to paleo or doing paleo and, and they'd love some great tips on how to do paleo in a way that's going to make it really easy for their budget. So if you can, obviously, you're not going to be able to give your full talk right now, but give us a few of the little pointers. That'd be really cool. Yeah, so um, it's it's true that paleo is expensive because uh, it, when you compare it to your traditional Western diet that's full of really cheap foods, it's cheaper to eat crap food. That's the reality of it. Um, but I think paleo is only expensive because we make it expensive. You know, we get really tempted by you know buying all these rare superfoods and and supplements and you know expensive you know coconut oil, the most premium ones, or we feel that the only way to eat paleo maybe is to only eat grass-fed beef or to only get wild sort of seafood. Um, and it would be great if we could all do that, but of course we can't. And uh, it's all about making the best choice that you can. So for me, for example, you know, when I when I can, I will buy grass-fed meat. And if I see something unspecial, whether it's you know, free-range poultry or it might be you know wild salmon or grass-fed meats. You know, I buy in bulk and I freeze it for later or I'll make meals uh, in batches and freeze those. Um, same thing with fruit and vegetables that are in season. You know, mangoes are in season at the moment, so I would buy a whole tray of mangoes and I would cut them up and freeze them for smoothies to have in winter or later in the season. Um, there are a couple of uh, – there are quite a few staples that are quite affordable. Uh, one of the things I'll be talking about in the presentation is my favourite – I think I'm covering about 12 superfoods that are actually just normal foods, um, but that are very nutrient-dense and inexpensive. And so what I try to do is I try to incorporate those 12 foods and they're things like eggs or, you know, Brussels sprouts or sardines, things that are very nutrient-dense and cheap. And if you just use those as kind of like your staples and then you supplement them with things that are coming into season, so leafy greens and various berries and fruit, um, then you can actually reduce your cost quite drastically. I think another thing that will reduce your cost is maybe to eat a little bit more simple, simpler. Um, you know, although I do promote, you know, kind of gourmet meals and, and fancy little ingredients uh, to make it more interesting. Sometimes, you know, it's just going back to basics that's going to reduce your cost. You know, uh, it's not expensive to have, you know, a, an omelette with some uh, sweet potato and spinach in the morning and then have some, um, you know, slow cooked uh, brisket uh, that, that's, that's an, you know, a cheaper cut of meat and some uh, broccoli in butter. And it's a simple meal. Um, it doesn't have, doesn't require too many fancy ingredients, but it's very nutritious. So, 
I think paleo is one of those things that, and healthy eating in general, is that there, there's a wide spectrum. You know, you can go and make it very expensive for yourself or you can try and keep it simple and eat in season and, uh, you know, buy in bulk and, and buy frozen things, which are still just as nutritious as fresh things. And uh, do a little bit of forward planning and, and preparation and you should be fine. Yeah, great tips. I completely agree. Um, I know in our house, whenever Steve and I sort of get back to basics, um, not only do we really enjoy the food and appreciate the simple flavors, feel better for it, but we always save money. Um, and it, it's just uncanny how, how easily we do buy into the superfoods or the, or the latest fad. Um, but I guess um, linking back to you know a simpler way of, of going about things leads me into asking you about your Rejuvenate program. I know you've worked with one of our good friends, Claire Yates, and mm -hmm. um, very excited about um, what you've created. Can you perhaps tell our audience about Rejuvenate? Yeah, so Claire and I have been, um, I would call not pen pals, Skype, Skype pals uh, for a few years now. I think when I first uh, kind of started doing paleo and, you know, I was trying to connect with like-minded people. And uh, and for a long time we've talked about uh, the direction of paleo and the community and where it's going and, you know, how do we bring the message to a slightly wider audience, perhaps to people who are not specifically interested in paleo but they want to change their well-being for the better and, you know, they want to uh, live a more holistic lifestyle and eat healthier. And so we thought about making uh, like a program or, or, or plan for people that they can follow for 30 days. So in a way that you would follow a Whole30 or, uh, you know, a, a I Quit Sugar program, uh, we created Rejuvenate, which is a 28-day program um, uh, that kind of looks at improving your health and well-being and making you more radiant and, and giving you vitality and more energy. And it's not so much a diet. Uh, it's it's a very holistic program. So there are f there's a four-week meal plan, which is inspired by the paleo diet or clean eating, real food, whatever you want to call it. We didn't want to label it for that particular reason. Um and it's focused on foods that uh, are going to make you, you know, shine from the outside, if that makes sense. So um, they're great for your liver, they're great for healing, reducing inflammation, um, just kind of just resetting your system. Uh, but then on top of that, we also, and also it has all the recipes to go, obviously, with the four-week meal plan and shopping lists and, and all that. Um, but then as we started writing it, we said, well, why don't we... Uh, educate people along, you know, at the same time. So there's probably maybe two thirds of the book is actually um, goes into various factors outside of food and also about food specifically, nutrition that that make a difference. So we talk about things like stress management and and how stress happens in your body and how it affects the health, hormones. Um, we talk about environmental toxins, um, you know, anti aging nutrients in different foods. Uh, emotional eating, you know, it, I mean, we cover so many other things, um, which is kind of how we see what holistic means to us. And um, as we wrote the ebook, um, it's about 200 pages long, but so it's, it's a great resource for anyone who wants to kind of start out and they don't want to do the paleo route, but they just want to get the, the basic principles. And um, we decided to start a website, uh, Rejuvenated for Life, which was to accompany the ebook, kind of like as a resources uh, webpage. 
And, um, yeah, and that just kind of started taking off. It's a little side project um, because I love to cook. And, as you know, Adrian Paler is mainly about food and recipes. But I'm also very interested in all the other things to, to go with a holistic lifestyle. And so Claire and I like your perfect combination. She's the she's the, 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 the kind of the smart, geeky nutritionist who loves going through white papers and research and I'm and I'm this sort of proactive person who loves to cook and I and I, and I come up with all, the, all these ideas and I and I follow the trends and, and I notice the questions that people are asking about different things so you know we'll we'll have these conversations and decide to talk about saunas or um, you know coconut um, oil pulling or various different natural therapies that people are doing and uh, kind of demystifying them, doing a bit of research and and um, looking at recipes that are very highly nutrient-dense. And that's what Rejuvenate, Rejuvenated for Life is. It's a little side project for both of us that we're hoping that will uh, become, you know, a hub for people, like a health and well-being hub. That's exciting, uh, Irie, because I think when you get onto paleo and you have those big gains pretty quickly – and then the longer that you're doing it, they, they tend to not be as big and taper off. And people might even feel that they're just not feeling as great as they once were when they kicked it off. Um, one of the things I was curious about in your travels that you've found, what are a couple of a dot points or a couple of things that um, become a bit of a, a stumbling block or a roadblock when people have been on paleo for a little while and um, they find that they're just not feeling as great as they were in the beginning? Yeah, well, oh, there are there are multiple things. I think um, I guess for some people, when they switch to paleo, they um, they might go very low carb. For example, that's just one of the case scenarios. And going very low carb is beneficial for various conditions and for weight loss. You know, uh, for a period of time. But I think after a while, you might find that uh, it can have certain side effects. And for me personally. When I went paleo uh, initially, I did eat pretty low carb, and uh, you know that that worked for a little while. But um, it became a, a, a block for me in a way that um, I liked variety, and it was you know I felt that sometimes maybe um, my energy levels were not as optimal as I wanted them to be for certain activities, yeah. and um, so I started experimenting with including certain foods back. So, for example, for me, it was including white rice uh, on occasions. You know, I don't eat it every day, but every now and then and a little bit of dairy and more bananas and sweet potatoes and white potatoes, more starchy food. And for me personally, going um, a little bit high carbohydrate works really well, um, A, for both uh, sort of my energy levels, but also for things like um, just being able to stick to paleo without sort of feeling like, I don't think it's restrictive, but... um, Missing out. Yeah, not missing out. It just makes it easier to eat out. It makes it easier to travel. Um, It makes it easier to maybe eat less meat, for example. So, you know, it's easy to start paleo and just assume that you can eat all the steaks and sausages in the world. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, after a while, you kind of realize that, uh, you know, meat is really good for us, but we don't need large amounts to get the nutritional benefits. And um, 
some days, you know, I just want to have a vegetarian meal and having uh, options of having slightly more higher carbohydrate foods uh, makes it a bit easier because, you know, meat's very satiating, but if you want to exclude it, then you need to, to maybe up the carbs a little bit. So, um, so going low carb is one of those things that might work for you at the start, but you might need to change later on. Um, other things that people might forget to look at are things like their sleep uh, or managing their stress. And, you know, they feel like they're eating well and they're exercising, but they're just not seeing the results uh, that they should. And that might just be because they actually still stress uh, emotionally or they are over-exercising and so there's more physical stress on their body or they're not sleeping well. Um, so that's another thing. And, you know, there are also personal sensitivities. So um, I've seen multiple times people will eat a lot of eggs when they go paleo and then they will kind of almost develop a sensitivity to it because they've been eating so much of it. And yeah. so they, they often have to take that out for a bit. Yeah. Or you might discover that actually, you know, red pepper is something that is inflammatory for your body. So um, we it, it's all well, and, uh, you know, to say that the paleo framework is great for everyone, but there will be certain, you know, little details that you have to tailor for yourself. And the good thing about paleo, I think, is that for me personally, I think I, I'm much more in tune with my own body. And um, it made me learn to listen to my body. So, you know, I can feel straight away if, if I eat something or I do something and, and how it affects my uh, well-being the next day. And, and you start to sort of pay attention to that and you see patterns and you're able to sort of dial that back in. So I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, rocking. Okay, yeah, cool. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and so that flexibility um, and the approach that you take to perhaps adding some kinds of food, like for example, like you mentioned white rice, back into your diet, is that where your 80-20 philosophy comes in? Yeah, absolutely. And I believe in 80 20 on so many levels, not just food, but in life in general, you know. Um, I think the 20% is going to be different for everyone, but, um, you know, it's important to have it because, uh, you know, it's very easy to get very dogmatic about any diet, not just paleo diet, and become um, really obsessed with the rules and, um, you know, it's a form of an eating disorder, I think, in some ways, that kind of emotional eating problem when you start to focus so much on everything that you can't eat and and it can affect your social life and certainly uh, it almost makes you stress thinking about all the things that you should and shouldn't have. So, you know, it's good to have that 20% just to give yourself some room to move and um, just just to be a little bit, you know, a bit of sanity, really. <laughs> And uh, and talking on that twenty percent, Ernie, you're talking your website obviously eat drink paleo, and so one of the questions I get asked a lot, which is kind of ironic given that I don't drink, but is people ask me a lot is what can I drink when I'm doing paleo, and and uh, even just yesterday someone said, look, I really like beer, you know, what can I do on the paleo diet? So, what do you recommend to people in terms of drinking and alcohol on their paleo diet? You know, how do they find that balance in the eighty twenty, and and if they are going to drink, you know, what sort of drinks do you recommend that might be good for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, our culture is, you know, we love to drink. It's our part of our social, you know, lubrication. So um, in terms of non-alcoholic drinks, uh, you know, obviously you, you start to drink more water, but there are lots of other things like coconut water. You can have coffee. 
I'm a bit of a coffee nerd and I love my filter coffee and cold brews and all the sort of fancy hipster coffee drinks. Um, so that's a new world for somebody to discover, uh, perhaps if you're giving up alcohol or sugar drinks. Um, obviously, you know, don't drink too much coffee because that can also be negative. I was, but I was just going to ask, do you consider the coffee the 80 or the 20 just out of interest? I, uh, well, for me, it's 80. I drink coffee every day, but I only drink one cup. Uh, and it's usually before 12 a.m. But, you know, for some people who are trying to, you know, perhaps they get their cortisol level back in touch, back in, back in level, or they, they have problems sleeping or, you know, they, they have a particular condition, giving up coffee could be a great uh, way to help with that. Um, for other people, coffee is, is, is like a bit of a treat, really. Um, a daily treat, uh, and that's what it is for me. So that's, um, you could say it's 20, but because I have it every day, it's probably 80. Um, and then, you know, I, I drink a little bit of wine. I really enjoy it, and I think it's good for um, both my social life but also for, you know, reducing some of those daily stresses. I think uh, a glass of wine can go a long way. But, you know, I, I'm all about quality of every quantity. So if you're going to drink alcohol, um, stick to really good quality red or white wine, uh, white spirits, um, so maybe good, good quality tequila or vodka or something like that. And obviously stay away from sugary sodas and use citrus fruits and berries and um, things like mint to spice it up. Um, and, yeah, yeah, favorite drinks, probably coconut, fresh coconut. You can't go past that. Um, teas. There are lots of great herbal teas um, that you can get it, get into, and the whole tea ceremony and and rituals of tea drinking is lovely. So, uh, I think you know it's not about what you're giving up; it's about the new things that you can you can embrace. So, whether it's the coffee culture or tea culture, or um, you know, making great smoothies and frappes and that sort of thing. So. I always say, focus on what you can have and not what you can't, and and work with that. Nice. I like it. And Irene, you spoke before about keeping things simple in terms of how you're cooking and how that can be a great way to budget. And, and I'm probably fortunate in that respect in that I'm kind of limited by my cooking abilities. So I tend to keep things simple by, by force rather than by choice. But I notice on your website, you've got a cookbook, which is all about herbs and spices. Um, and, and so I'd love you to talk a little bit about your favorite herbs and spices and which things we should be adding into our diet to, to add a bit of flavor, but also some of the health benefits of those as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I think all, uh, I love all fresh herbs. Um, you know, whether it's mint, I love coriander and mint and, and parsley and hearty herbs like rosemary and thyme for cooking. Um, they all have various antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory, uh, benefits and properties. Um, and vitamins and, you know, parsley has K2 and, uh, coriander is great for blood. Um, and as far as spices, uh, look, I love Middle East, sort of Middle Eastern spices, uh, um, and Mexican, uh, food. So cumin and paprika, coriander seed. I'll use lots of turmeric, um, pretty much in as many dishes as I can. Turmeric has great anti-inflammatory properties and it gives food a lovely yellow color. So, uh, you know, adding that to your eggs or cauliflower rice or, uh, stews is fantastic. Um, I love Asian, uh, you know, things like lemongrass and galangala, sorry, galangalal and ginger, uh, kaffir lime leaf. Um, you know, there are so many to choose from really. 
uh, and they all have, uh, you know, little kind of benefits of their own. And um, I talk a lot about that in my book and, um, you know, each each spice and each herb that I cover, uh, I, I give a little uh, a description of why it's good and then also where it comes from, how to use it, what recipes, you know, how to store it, that sort of thing. So um, I think the life would be, or life of cooking anyway, would be quite boring without herbs and spices. And uh, I think when you take out things like, you know, too much salt or, you know, processed ingredients and condiments, um, adding in herbs and spices is what spices up the dishes one of the things uh, that uh, your followers might know, or anyone that follows you on social media, uh, Irie, will know that um, you do paleo like a boss when you travel. And uh, I wanted to know if you could reel off a couple of um, top tips for people who are traveling and how to keep a paleo. That's a good one. Uh, I do travel like a paleo boss most of the time. It can be hard. It depends on the country traveling with, uh, traveling to rather. Um, I just came back from Japan and Japan can be a little bit difficult um, because they do eat a lot of noodles and, you know, dumplings and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, you can find great food, especially if you um, find fresh food markets in the area that you're staying in. And uh, the first thing I usually do, whether we stay in a hotel or uh, at a, a Airbnb place or friend's place, is I will – Try and A, make sure that I have some sort of cooking facilities because one of the first things that you'll have a problem with is breakfast, especially in places like France where they don't really do breakfast. You know, it's like a coffee and croissant. So for me, it's always trying to find somewhere that I can cook and I will stock up on eggs and a couple of avocados and cherry tomatoes and maybe gazpacho soup and um, have that on me so that we at least can do healthy breakfast because that's sort of number one priority for us. And then uh, most restaurants and most places will have something that you can choose. So when you're going through the menu, I automatically, I've trained my eyes to look for um, vegetable dishes and meat dishes and fish dishes. And I try to block out all those other things that I get tempted by. And, you know, of course, sometimes uh, you want to leave a little bit and it's okay to um, to let yourself, you know, try things that you probably wouldn't have normally. But, um, but you know, one in Rome, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, it's just about finding where you can get that uh, fresh produce, whether it's a supermarket nearby or fresh food markets. It's uh, being able to uh, cook for yourself or at least make yourself a salad, you know, so maybe maybe carrying like a little portable plate and fork and knife, that sort of thing. Um and, and and being able to choose the right things from the menu. So just learning about, you know, sometimes it's about combining things. So, you know, maybe getting an entree and a side yeah. if you can't find a main meal that is suitable. And it's okay to ask people to change things up, you know. I think in this day and age, most restaurant, uh, you know, chefs are, are pretty used to people having various sensitivities or allergies and, you know, you can always say I'm gluten free and, you know, can you swap this for that? And people are usually pretty okay with that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, while you were um, chatting there, I was poring over the pages of your um, new cookbook and I'm so excited. I think something that I really love about it is the fact that you don't need to be paleo to enjoy this book. It's just full of amazing nourishing meals that are just appealing to anyone regardless of um, you know how they, they choose to eat. Um, what can people expect with your book? 
Um, I'm glad you said that because that was actually the goal of the book is, uh, although I wanted to create a paleo cookbook, I wanted to show that paleo is accessible to anyone and I really wanted it to be um, appealing to anyone really. And so what people can expect is um, lots of great recipes using whole natural ingredients um, and nutrient-dense foods. Um, it's, it's not restrictive. Um, the, it's, it's very, I would say gourmet kind of food. Um, but it's easy and, and quick to make most of the time. Um, I think that you would expect to get a reaction of maybe thinking that, gosh, paleo diet's not really a diet, is it? You know, you can, you can still eat really well and, um, and have delicious, delicious food that's not, uh, that's not restrictive. Um, so I think people can expect to, uh, get very hungry when they're looking through the pages. Yeah. Um, they will, <laughs> they will be able to learn a little bit about paleo. I, I've got a couple of chapters at the start that go into the sort of overview of paleo and how to set up your kitchen and your pantry and my favorite foods and ingredients. But it's no, it's not like a full geeky nutrition science book. So it's very accessible. It's, it's sort of, it's, you know, easy to digest, so to speak. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, hopefully it will inspire people to get back in the kitchen and to cook and, uh, to start including the recipes in their meal planning. And I know that many people have been so far and it's received, I've received so many great, um, comments and, and feedback from people that have cooked the recipes from the book and what they love is that they can cook those recipes for their non-paleo friends and, um, they always get a very great reaction and positive feedback. So, um, I think it's been successful at that is making it very appealing to, to anyone really. Absolutely. And, and thank you for making something that encourages um, the ability to still, you know, have fun with your friends and, friends and enjoy socializing over food, which is something natural um, that we all love to enjoy. So to pre-order your very own copy of Eat, Drink, Paleo, which will absolutely delight anybody with its scrumptious recipes, um, and I'm sure it'll please even the fussiest of eaters, um, or if you want to find out more about the 28-Day Rejuvenate program, visit eatdrinkpaleo.com.au. And while you're there, um, subscribe to get all of the latest updates, as well as a free paleo meal plan um, to keep you inspired and accountable in the kitchen. Um, thank you again um, to, to Irene for joining us today. Um, we, we absolutely love having you on the show and we look forward to seeing um, you on your tour as you, you visit Australia and we'll put, the, put those dates up on our site. Um, you can also support Irina and benefit from her knowledge by following her on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So there you go, get to it. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Remember, you can join the conversation by liking that paleo show on Facebook and following us on Instagram. Until next week, continue to share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Hi, it's Karen Smith here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2015? Are you ready to not just be the best version of you, but to inspire your tribe like never before? Now, if you've answered yes, then get ready for the Wellness Breakthrough. Eight of your Wellness Couch favorites over three incredible days and two outrageously fun nights in February, guiding you to break through to the next level like never, ever before. Think of this. Cindy O'Meara. Me, Karen Smith. Kim Morrison. 
Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten, Marcus Pierce, and all three of the wellness guys working specifically with you personally. Now, let's be clear, this is not a sit and listen event. This is a make shift happen retreat. Your life will never be the same again. Come with us, join us at the Wellness Breakthrough. Now, for more information and to book your seats, go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com. And I'm going to see you there. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.